Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN, Spokes, and Privacy. Woo! I'm Samantha Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Executive Director of the Rebellion Pack. How are we doing? Uh, I'm judging you. I'm judging you. I mean, four years, waiting four years after the M1 Mac goes on sale to get one, that's... Like, you're a professional, Simone. You need a Well, need I'll get one from machine. work, and I won't pay for that. But when I get my personal one, right. you know, it'll be a little bit old. For the listeners at home, I <laughs> briefly flirted with the idea of recording this podcast without plugging in my laptop. Um, and then I realized we it was at 30% battery, and I would be killed by my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna was already getting in a car, and you know she drives a Porsche, so it would not take her long to get here. <laughs> 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 so uh, here we are. Wow, we have a pretty exciting show for you tonight. Uh, starting with a little news update, uh, and then covering some more NFT news following last week's story. Um, and talking about phones or maybe the lack of phones. So stay tuned for that. First things first, that little news update. So remember, you you two remember this. Remember the day last summer when all of the blue checks couldn't get into their Twitters? It was, it was, it was terrible. It was a, yeah. honestly, on, okay, no, actually take it back. On the one hand, it was very upsetting because a lot of my friends were like tweeting. And then on the other hand, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually, this is both terrible, but kind of pleasant. <laughs> well, it, you... was, it was so weird because I had so many great tweets about the yes. experience of not I was being going able to say, to I was like, what do I have to go? I have to go, I have to go on Facebook now or like Instagram. Oh, yeah. It, was, oh, it just starts building Christina. up as soon as you don't, don't have do access it. to Twitter. They're just fomenting in there. I felt that way when I was <laughs> driving home in my rental car and I was in traffic and I was like, I have 10 tweets to make about this and I can't make any of them. Anyway, the <laughs> guy who hacked the Twitter. Uh, he was sentenced to three years in prison as part of his plea deal. Uh, so Graham Ivan Clark um, is the person who was responsible for the or has been it has pled, I guess, it, it, responsibility for the Twitter hack this past summer, which saw so many of us lose access to our accounts. So many of us, the three of us on this podcast and others who are just like us, so impoverished. Um, so yeah, uh, he was 17, I believe at the time the crime was committed. Do you guys know any details about like, was he, did he end up being charged as a minor? No, he was charged as an adult, but because he is a minor, he would have an opportunity once he goes through, you know, his, he serves his time or whatever, where he could potentially have his record expunged okay. is from what I understand. <laughs> He's also already has 222 days served of time served. Uh, and realistically, um, if he doesn't do anything stupid while he's there, he'll probably be out in like six or seven months is my guess. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I, d- I don't I don't necessarily know how I feel about this, given my feelings on incarceration in general are bad. Um, but yeah, so that's the update. That's what that I, there has I finally mean, in some ways been a you result. Did a favor because you could have had a nation state doing this. I mean, the stakes could have been a that's lot. That's a really higher. good point. It happened uh, for the memes. I, I I don't know about that to be honest because it feels like he was doing stuff where it wasn't like he was taking an an, an exploit, an active exploit, and, and right. using it. He was he was doing like social engineering and and was right. going out of it his was way Twitter's to do Twitter's non-secure dash- dashboard in the way that they did it. So hopefully, I guess I mean, some of it was. the good point is it, like Twitter's process of letting employees get credentials and things like that. I hope that they, they really doubled down on that and figured out how to lock that down in a much more secure way. Better this guy running some weak Bitcoin scam than some nation state doing something I, I actually do agree point. with that. Yeah. Like even as, as Christina says, even if it wasn't like a vulnerability in Twitter itself, it is still is a yeah. lesson learned for them. 
And I think yeah, that that's for, important. For sure. I, I just want to like distinguish that there are sometimes there are people who get jail time in ways that I think is egregious when they are like exploiting flaws or they're trying to do other security oh, things. Yeah. Yeah. This is not one of those cases. He had criminal intent, yeah. period. Yeah. Uh, and 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 he he was doing things. He was doing stuff he knew he, he wasn't supposed to do. I mean, I have mixed feelings about incarceration as well. But at the same time, like this is not an, an okay thing to do. Um, and and mm-hmm. I, I was more speaking like, to Bree's point about it being yeah. a a good thing that it would like even sure. if it was a 17 year old with criminal intent. Better that than, as Bree said, a nation state. Let's move on to our big story of the day. So last week, we talked a lot about uh, NFTs. That was kind of when they exploded into the mainstream news. Um, The NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, people have been buying and selling uh, on the Ethereum blockchain, uh, basically creating digital art galleries. And people like Grimes uh, and other artists have been selling things like the Neon Cat meme and their own short videos and becoming very, very, or continuing to be, in the case of Grimes, very, very wealthy. Um, We have some developments on that, both in that we learned a little more about how how NFTs work and where that art is actually stored. And (laughs) then over the weekend, several users on Nifty Gateway, which is like the main NFT platform, um, were hacked and their digital art, a lot of digital art, hundreds of thousands of dollars of digital art were stolen and in some cases just transferred away to other accounts and no one has any idea where it is now or it was mm. resold. Um, we can sad. talk a little bit about that. Uh, basically, hackers, the the people who were hacked, uh, in some cases also saw their credit cards, which were on file with Nifty Gateway, used to buy in some cases, like $20,000 more art, uh, which was, again, then transferred to another account and disappeared. Now, Nifty Gateway says, uh, for its part, this was like a TFA breach, basically, that hackers use information that had been leaked from, like, past hacks, you know, like any of us could have had in, like, the freaking credit card hacks. I don't know where. It was information from, like, other hacks that was then used on accounts that didn't have TFA to get into Nifty, and the platform itself is not compromised. Uh, However, I do think it is relevant in the sense that a lot of people are pretty unhappy with Nifty's response to it, which was essentially like, dang, that's too bad. Enjoy not having $20,000 worth of art anymore because we can't get it back. People uh, who did have their art stolen were pretty unhappy with Nifty's response, which was basically like in the spirit of the blockchain, like, sorry about your art getting stolen, but they're be- because it now belongs to this other person, there is nothing that we can do. There is no, you know, mechanic in the blockchain to return it to you. Um. Which, yeah, I'm sure we all have thoughts on. So let's go. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not happy that anybody gets, like, their stuff, their accounts broken into or, or gets robbed. I mean, it's really unfortunate. Um, I do, There is an irony, and I think, like, the guy whose thread, like, went super viral was like, oh, you know, American Express is the only one who cares about me. And it's like, well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, amazing that. They're, they're, they're the natural <laughs> bank is actually regulated. Like, like part of me, like, I don't want anybody, like, it, it's hard not to have schadenfreude with this, and it's hard not to dunk on this, because it is sort of objectively funny that someone is stealing something that you don't really own anyway. But um, on the other hand, I mean, and and then there's also a, a huge amount of like user error in this, which is if you don't have, you know, 2FA set up on something like this and you're investing a lot of money in it, like, okay, like that's not the best choice either. But it's also one of those things is like crypto bros love to talk about how great the decentralization of everything is and the fact that it's not regulated and this and that. Okay, well, when something's not regulated, this is what happens. Like, you can file a police report, you can, you know, um, call in stuff all you want, and and you can say that, yeah, Nifty Gateway should have been able to see, and and um, there was a period of time when they could have maybe grabbed the, the art back, so to speak. But that also potentially puts them in kind of a, a weird, precarious situation. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's almost like if you're going to get involved in this stuff, which I think this is my big takeaway— if you are getting involved in this and you are not aware that this is completely high risk and that this is something that you need to be careful about and that you need to like not have a lot of faith in that this is like just a very volatile high risk investment, then you shouldn't be involved in the space is 
my big takeaway for people. So I feel bad, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, what do you expect? Do you want deregulation? This is what happens when you have no regulation in, in an industry. Like, I think that's that so well said, Christina. I have not thought about that. You know, today, uh, you know, I called my investment account, right? And when you do it, they have to legally record the call. There are a bunch of security questions, all of that. Uh, you know, and here, the, like, they don't even have TFA, uh, like, forcing you to do that. And, and this is supposedly an investment platform. I mean, I think you're dead on. This is what happens with deregulation. So, um, you know, the, the wider issue here, uh, which we'll get into later about how the stuff is actually stored and read, you know, your NFTs are only as valuable as as much as you trust the 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 website address that it's pointing to in this point case uh, a website that <laughs> does not seem <laughs> poised for long-term success i think based on this particular story and more troublesome their response to it you know uh i mean tech changes so rapidly and it's like if you're asking me if i think they're going to be around in 10 years uh that's not a bet i would make confidently right now yeah i think to echo what Bree said, you said it very well, Christina, in that, like, I, I definitely will admit, like, I have a lot of bitter feelings about NFTs, which I aired on last week's show. I am very biased. I do not like them. I am feeling the schadenfreude. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, in the sense of fairness, I do have to echo what you said in that this is gambling. That is what this is. This is gambling in the same way that the stock market is gambling, but perhaps far more volatile. Um, we don't know what's going to happen to the value of NFTs next week, much less next year. If you're spending $20,000 on them, put TFA on your friggin' account. And as you said, if <laughs> yeah. there's no, not to victim blame, <laughs> but it, it is very frustrating. Like the, the tone, uh, now I'm going to tone, please. I'm sorry. I'm going to be problematic for a second. The, when I was reading these tweets from people who, again, had $20,000 to spend on digital art, talking about how their digital art was gone and being very upset that it couldn't be returned to them, to them through the blockchain, mm -hmm. did you do research on what this was? Did you understand what you were getting into? Because I, <laughs> I don't understand how you could spend that much money and not do due diligence and protect your account and understand that this is all freaking snake oil. It's gonna go away. What? <laughs> what are you? What are you complaining about? This is the nature well, of what it is. I, I, I don't think it's proven that it's snake oil yet. And I mean, you know, when you have a lot of money to invest, right, like a certain portion of it goes into like low risk, low risk investments, right? Like stocks, I'm sorry, uh, uh, um, mutual, bonds, fund, bonds, mutual yeah. funds would also be another one. You, you have a low risk part of your portfolio. You have a certain percentage of it that is for growth, right? Uh, so that means tech investments. I mean, these people are probably spreading a lot of bets around many different things, including, you know, Ethereum, Bitcoin, uh, you know, so startups. This is the entire way that, you know, uh, investors for, uh, you know, angel funding and, and venture capital works, right? I'm not completely, I, I'm not comfortable saying this is going to fail. This is worthless today. I do think it's accurate to say it's speculative and very high risk, uh, particularly because of the way it's it's built. It, it's seems like a as it's currently implemented a, a a fundamentally flawed protocol yeah well and i would also just say this i mean the one thing that i will say it's just most like, and i don't want to victim blame but at the same time i kind of do because part of this is on them is that there's a such thing as like high risk investment and then there's what this is the equivalent of which is basically making an investment with cash with absolutely no accountability whatsoever so if you're going to like laud this you know fact that that this thing is is you know cash and decentralized. Okay, well, that comes with a much higher degree of risk than for what you're buying than anything else. Like it it just does. And if you don't understand that going into it, like I'm sorry, but 
you you should do that before you are making any sort of those investments. And and frankly, like if the worst thing that comes out of this is that your some of your stuff was stolen, but you were able to get your money back, you know, from American Express or whoever, and the worst thing is you can no longer speculatively profit off of this, you know, JPEG that you bought. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, like too bad. Like I I don't mean to be heartless, but at the same time, it's really hard for me to to look at this and, and be like, oh, I'm, I'm so I'm so sorry for your your tremendous loss when you did nothing to protect yourself and also were actively using and espousing, um, you know, a, a, a currency that by its very nature is supposed to be like cash. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a brief moment before we continue with this topic to say that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You guys already know all about ExpressVPN. How could you not? You listen to my wonderful ad reads, and I've talked about them before. So you already know that I think it's super important to protect your online identity from companies who track your data. It's also super important for me to catch my breath as I'm talking to you. (laughs) But hey, hang on. There's actually another reason people love using ExpressVPN. It's Netflix. Thousands of shows on Netflix are only available outside of the US, so you need to change your country if you want to access them. What the ExpressVPN app does is it encrypts your data and reroutes it through a server location of your choice. This not only protects your data, bingo, but it lets you control which country you want Netflix to think you're in. ExpressVPN lets you choose from over 90 different countries. I can't even imagine a TV from all over the world. So every time you run out of stuff to watch, which is probably a lot because we're all here, here we all are on this planet, you can just fire up the app on your laptop or smart TV, switch your country, and hit connect. Once you refresh the page, you'll get a brand new selection of shows. It is that simple. And here's the best part. It's not just for Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows or sports or on other streaming services too. For example, a lot of people like watching BBC iPlayer, which is free and only available in the UK. That is tempting to me. Hang on a minute. Oh, there are so many good BBC shows that you can only find like the lowest quality upload of on YouTube, maybe, and or wait 5,000 years for them to come to US Netflix. No, no more. Say no more. Um, And also, as you know, from listening to our show, we do think it's super important to protect your data. Um, In fact, we love it. We love having protected data. There's a reason why ExpressVPN is the number one rated VPN provider by publishers like Wired and CNET, and why it's my top choice. Protect your data and stop paying full price for streaming services while only getting access to a fraction of their content. Visit expressvpn.com slash rocket right now and get three extra months of their service for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N. Dot com slash rocket expressvpn.com slash rocket to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Alrighty. So uh as as the NFT conversation has continued on Twitter uh this week, we came across a couple tweet threads and then also uh this Coindesk article actually from back in February explaining a little more about where NFTs actually live online. And this was something I actually, I had not thought about and I'm shocked that I had not thought about it before um, because it's friggin' ridiculous. (laughs) Um, However, the explanation of the like raw technical details, I would like to trust to one of you and who shall it be? Go for it, Christina. Okay. All right. So the basic idea behind an NFT is that it is supposed to be like secured, like a very specific part of it, like lives on a block on the blockchain. Now that can then be transferred to someone else, but it is created on this blockchain and it has this unique identifier that only exists there. Now that can be transferred to other people and this and that, but but that is that is where the creation point is. Now I had assumed, and I was wrong on this, because like you, Simone, I'm a little bit surprised I didn't kind of get here faster. I had assumed incorrectly, it turns out, that the artwork itself was actually being stored on the blockchain. I'd assumed that that was what was happening, we whether were so it was innocent. You know, like, 
I mean, I, I was I was thinking whether it was like a, a base 64 encoding or, or however the case may be. Like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, the storage is, is attached to the actual blockchain in some way. And, and that's why, that's how they can track things. No, in fact, what most implementations do, and, and to be clear, this is most, not all. Some places are doing this better than others, but most of the big ones certainly are not, is that basically the token that you bought is going to point to either like a URL that's on the internet that has metadata information to, to kind of back it up and that will lead to where the actual art exists or what's known as an IPFS hash. And IPFS is um, a, a, I kind of think of it as like a um, distributed um, a kind of um, file um, network system. It's known as the interplanetary file system, um, intergalactic planetary. <laughs> uh, this might be Boy's reference there. And it's basically kind of like a peer-to-peer network. It's it's similar in some ways to BitTorrent and would let you have like a distributed file system. And some people are looking at it as a potential replacement for um, HTTP. So IPFS is actually not a bad way to go about trying to have something that is in a decentralized state because the idea would be you could have lots of different nodes that are all carrying a piece of this and that all are are kind of acting as backups for one another so that if someone's host goes down or their domain is taken over or something else happens that this still exists. However, how most of this is being implemented right now is that the URL that is being stored um, is not the media itself. It's just simply like a JSON um, uh, uh, metadata file. And, and so uh, we'll link to this thread from, from Jaunty, which does a really nice job kind of outlining what um, is happening in a lot of these places. And that, like, for instance, he, he links to something that's being sold, you know, on, on Nifty Gateway, which we talked about just a minute ago because that was the one that was hacked. And basically their NFT token, so the thing that you're buying, so to speak, is basically just a JSON file that's hosted directly on the Nifty Gateway um, servers. And so if you look at that JSON file, it's got a, a description and it has um, a, an external URL, which basically just goes to Nifty Gateway. And then it has an image, which goes to a CDN that is, um, you know, a, a service that, uh, like in this case, it, it's a third-party CDN, but it's in the account name of Nifty Gateway, um, where they've uploaded the the PNG itself. Um, so, if you bought that, it's it's hosted on the CDN. Um, if if Nifty goes bust, your token is presumably worthless because that that NFT that NFT that you have that hash. Um, that URL is not going to go anywhere because it won't it won't um, resolve anymore. And then in some cases, for instance, he uses uh, the one that was sold um, on Christie's. Their NFT token actually referred directly to an IPFS hash rather than having like that external URL. But that one, when you looked at it, still was just going to an external uh, like an HTTP based website. So. In on all these cases, what's happening is, is that you're buying this token, which has an embedded URL in it. And so your future access to what you have is completely tied to how long that service that you bought those things for is in business. And also is kind of um, determined whether or not, you know, if, if they have access to that CDN or they have access to that backend, like what they change that URL to. So you could imagine a situation where if Nifty Gateway were to be hacked or if they were to go out of business and someone else bought the domain name, someone could recreate those URLs and insert them with something else that is not what you initially bought. Uh, or mm. even if someone had control of like the endpoint, they could say, okay, well, this is the this is the URL that is going to that file and this is what is what you're showing. Um, one artist actually showed an example of this where he like pulled out the rug from under people by what he did is he just changed his endpoint stuff and like changed the images and was like, Ooh. okay, you bought art that looked like this and now it looks like this. And and that um, is not always going to be possible. It depends on the platform. But the long and the short of it is, is that this is being built as this decentralized thing that's actually happening on completely centralized platforms right now. So you're you're buying like, you're buying like a, a JSON um, bit of text. It's pretty hysterical. That is an excellent summary. And I, I think that gets into why I called it snake oil earlier. And I, I do think, obviously, the same is with an investment in the stock market. If you don't do due diligence into the research of who you're buying from or buying stock of, quote unquote, you can get in trouble. And in that way, it's no different from the stock market. However, 
Yeah, to, to everything you said, Christian, it just seems so ludicrously unstable in terms of the long term. And I don't I I know people are getting rich quick right now. I really don't see that lasting much longer. Yeah, I read this and I'm just like, it seems like a poorly thought out protocol. Like you can have you can have different opinions on Bitcoin, but the original like implementation of Bitcoin, like they've 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 obviously had to rejigger it over the years, but the the fundamental mechanics of it are are really remarkably rock solid and well thought out. I mean it's it's kind of beautiful if you study like the original uh, documents and the original the original form of it. Uh, this just seems I I don't want to use the word slapdash, but this is like this isn't an edge case. This should be problem number one. What is the permanence of how the asset you're buying is is stored? Is there a way to right. update it? Uh, you know, like the, I think ideally, like maybe you would be able to, uh, I don't know, update the the host within the token itself if the token itself is not hosting. I I don't know. Like there are a million ways you could do this, but it just seems like a, it it, it seems like a fundamentally bad protocol. So yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. think it's so much that the protocol is bad; it's that the implementations have been bad, which right. is basically I think what that CoinDesk um, article pointed out. Like, yeah. there's there would be nothing that would be preventing, other than the cost and some of the other things, there would be nothing that would necessarily prevent you from being able to store what you're wanting to store the base sixty four image or whatever on the blockchain itself. Uh, but that would be more expensive and would require other work, and there would be nothing that would like uh, go out of the way of, of not having some of these you know, NFT, you know, like uh, systems, like be able to be built more strongly and have kind of backup plans. I think if you're talking about video, that is a, that is also not an edge case. Like that is a primary use case, I think for, for this. I mean, think about how often someone shoots a, a video and it gets shared a million times online. I could see like the original version of that being quite valuable. So I think, I think there should ideally be a way to, to point this to a server, but there's got to be a, a backup plan to 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 change it if that server does go down, or come up with a completely new paradigm that uh, is well, not right, server well, well, it, Yeah, which which is what IPFS is. The problem is is that in most of these cases, IPFS is you're not going to have a bunch of different nodes. Like it works great in principle if you've got a whole bunch of different nodes where if one goes down, another one still exists and can kind of create it. The, it that's similar to BitTorrent, but as anybody who's ever been on BitTorrent knows, like if you've got the the magnet URL out there, if you don't have anybody in the swarm who's still online and active, it doesn't mean anything. So there there is kind of this, you know, this problem of like, how do you ensure that you have um, redundancy? And it from, from what I've kind of been looking into it, it doesn't seem like they've, a lot of the people who are, are building these NFT platforms have thought a whole lot about redundancy, which I'm sorry is objectively hilarious because it really just <sighs> does mean that you're buying magic beans right now. And I'm sorry, but that's hilarious. Yeah, so, so true. You're saying you could write this, you could actually make the location within the NFT an IPFS hash, and then as long as whatever server it's on can verify that hash, then it's going to... Yeah, that would be a way to do it. This decentralized, so right. Yeah. You, do, you would you would just be you would just be a contingent on having you know multiple like nodes operable, right? right? And and that's the thing. Right now, even the ones that are presumably doing it the right way, a they're using HTTP over IP, um, you know IPFS and right. and b a lot of times like they're the only ones who are, who are hosting it. So there was one uh, part of this Coindesk article. Um, I, I didn't take any issue with the article itself, but they are quoting, they interview this guy named William Entrican, um, who is basically uh, is part of the crypto community. And he's quoted saying, when we talk about owning digital artwork, the thing we want is the glory of being the one who supported the artist. And I just think that's so disingenuous. I I think there are probably people who were in that community from the beginning who genuinely feel that way and believe that. The gold rush that we've seen online over the past few weeks is not that. And also, I think when we're talking about a situation like this where 
you know, the, the art is stored on a server and the artist is ostensibly possibly the person responsible for that. Like if you are supporting, say, an independent artist, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It's a situation where really only the people who can afford to keep something like that going can continue to be a part of the system. You can't profit at this and sell your art if you're just like a lonely artist um, trying to make this work. It's a situation that really requires to be bought into. And I also think, you know, if you wanted to support a friggin' artist... They, ha- they all have PayPals. They all have coffee accounts. They all have Venmo. They all have Patreons. <laughs> like, there are ways to support artists that are materially just, like, giving them money um, on platforms that do less harm than crypto. Um, so it, it, just, it, it felt like a little bit rose-tinted glasses at best oh, yeah. to think that way. And at worst, completely disingenuous and a misrepresentation of what it is. Yeah. um, Somebody on Twitter said to me, you know, it's weird that we're trying to apply the conventions of physical media to things that are not physical media. And I actually think that's a really good point because we're trying to uh, instill these things of persistence and and ownership and whatnot to digital devices that, digital art that A, can be copied multiple times, even if the hash itself is unique you know that that doesn't mean that the art itself is and and you know we're trying to kind of come up with those paradigms for something that is that doesn't exist in that space sorry go on Bree. no 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 i think that's really well said i just uh before we moved off this topic i wanted to ask uh what is the environmental impact of uh basically doing a, a proof of uh you know a proof with the nft is it is it significant because i have to imagine like uh you know ift hash that can't be terrible. Like that it can't is, be too I think computational. It's not terrible. as harmful as other other aspects of cryptocurrency. Yeah. I think where I take issue with it is like, yes, we are seeing these reports of people who are burning like a year's worth of electricity uh, minting art. I, I don't imagine everyone is doing that. However, I think my position on it is we have a system for purchasing art that doesn't contribute to this. I mean, everything contributes to climate change, but we have a system that is not this like new and ultimately quite destructive thing that I believe it contributes to 1% at this point of um, not carbon emissions, but energy use, I believe. I'll have to Mm -hmm. check up on that. 1% is not a negligible amount uh, when it comes to the situation we're in right now. And I think when when I see people like participating in selling cryptocurrency and then donating part of the proceeds to climate change, it's like, okay, we we have a way to not do this. You can (laughs) you can just buy digital art (laughs) in the existing ways. It doesn't have to be this thing where you're like, Right, offsetting it, it's so disingenuous to me. Um, uh, right, no, totally. Well, if you, if guess, you wanted to buy digital art, yeah. you could. It's just there's there's a there's a level of this. I mean, I'm 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 being somewhat facetious, but not really. Where I'm like, looks like money money laundering, but I'm sorry, it does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like that. That's totally. I mean, and look, no, it's to be very clear, artists, Christina. Come on. Well, well, okay, and and look, to be very clear, high end art is also mostly money laundering. Like. That's also a fact. So, you know, I mean, I guess that's keeping with that's tradition. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, but it's facilitated, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the actual thing that facilitates NFTs is uh, part of Ethereum, right? So if, yeah. you're, so if you're doing transactions with NFTs, are you, you're getting involved with the, like right now, my supercomputer is doing Dacker Hashimoto for Ethereum, Right. So this is like it's that level of electricity consumption, obviously smaller, but it's that kind of problem is trying to solve, right? Um, I mean, it, it, it would be the equivalent of if the same way that every time you make a transaction, right. it's, so it's it's different than mining, right? Yeah. So, but every time you you make a transaction on the ledger, that requires a certain amount of energy, right. and this is just a different transaction type. It's just rather than being a transaction of showing what's been transferred, there is this, you know, additional hash there that, um, you know, links to this digital asset. Right. Okay. That makes sense to me. I'm still looking for the exact numbers, but I'll do that later because it's time for me to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Spokes, a communications agency. 
got a brilliant idea that will change the world, Spokes knows that whether you are pitching investors or selling products or services, a compelling story is the difference between your business struggling or thriving. In a crowded market, the best story wins, and Spokes helps you tell your best story. Spokes gives lean and hungry businesses the boost of a full-service media agency at a scale that works for you, communication services within your budget. Their founding team has decades of experience in tech and news, government, public relations, and marketing. They can amplify your story so your business can go to new places. Are you the next college kid who forgets a thumb drive on your way out the door, leading to an idea to sync files in the cloud that will revolutionize the way we use computers? Are you? Whatever you're doing, Spokes will polish and promote your story, uh, making it look like you're not a dingus who forgets your thumb drive. Go to spokes.agency rocket21 and mention this podcast for a 25% discount. That is spox.agency rocket21 and mention this show for a 25% discount. Our thanks to Spokes Agency for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. <laughs> all right. Any final thoughts on this before we must simply must move on? Let's move on. Chip shortages are coming to the phone industry. Samsung is actually considering skipping this year's Galaxy Note and sticking with merely one flagship phone, uh, citing a serious imbalance in semiconductors globally, and they are not the only ones. As Bloomberg mentions in their write-up of this situation, uh, the automotive industry has also been dealing with the same issues, which are essentially COVID crunch, which is everyone buying items because we're sad. Um, Silicon shortages, extreme weather conditions like what we saw uh, in Texas last month with the freeze, uh, as well as chip shortages. Uh, chip shortages are silicon shortages. I'm a dum-dum. It seems uh, reasonable, actually, to think that the iPhone might be delayed as well. You mentioned that earlier, right, Christina? Um, well, maybe. Uh, so it, I don't know how much this is playing a role in this, but there was a report uh, last week that Apple has cut its uh, projections on uh, its its iPhone. The iPhone 12 mini seems to not be doing well, and it also seems like they've cut their projections for some of their other uh, flagship phones that are selling better. How much of that is due to a a chip shortage? I have no idea. But it's certainly, if Samsung is saying that they might be being forced to cut back and Qualcomm is having an issue getting things, I know Apple has the supply chain like very locked up. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't feel like, I mean, when car manufacturers are having to shut down production lines, which is what's happening right now because they don't have the silicon to complete cars, that to me doesn't I, I'm not going to just assume that the next iPhone that there will be enough, uh, you know, chips for them to make them in the quantities that maybe they, they would have wanted to. Mm-hmm. So maybe not totally delayed, but maybe we'll have longer wait lists potentially. We don't know. Yet. That's what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if there'd be any delays, I but I but I do feel like, yeah, they might have. Uh, I don't think that it is incorrect to um, have a conversation about potentially saying there might be lower yields, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not I'm not predicting that, but I don't think that it would be incorrect to like have that thought process if if you're somebody because the reality is no one. I mean, in, in addition to the weather uh, changes happening in um, uh, Texas, there's also the the situations um, in Taiwan where they had um, droughts and they were literally having to bring in water like shipped in from other places so that they can run the fabs so it's it's just just so you know this is a great reason why we should stop selling (laughs) nfts i'm not saying nfts are responsible for this i'm being facetious but i was gonna say because because it's not just a matter of like okay there's this greater demand there is but then there are these weather issues that are also taking place and there are these you know um other delays that had happened because of other things and and like i said like assembly lines for cars are being shut down because they don't have the chips to complete them. And that's really scary. And and Samsung, that is something I never thought I would see happen, but sorry, finish your sentence. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that to me, like we think about it in terms of, Oh, you know, I can't get a GPU or a CPU um, unless, you know, you're an insane person like me and, and, you know, you can't get our our Xboxes or Playstations or, or maybe like this phone won't happen, but it's like cars can't get made. Like this is, this is a real problem. It's, it's a, it's 
fascinating, to be totally honest. Um, kind of stunning to, to be watching what's happening. Oh, it's terrifying. Um, yeah, it you, is. You know, and, and this is, it, it feels like this is, it's not just phones. It's not just automobiles. I'm thinking about smaller companies. You know, Arcade 1UP, uh, they have some really cool machines coming out. Uh, X-Men Arcade, they've got... Uh, uh, like a new Street Fighter compilation is coming out. That machine is nearly impossible to get. Uh, Polymega, that is, has uh, had literally, like the, the latest disaster hit them is difficulty getting this out. It's affecting, I know you're waiting on your analog pocket, just like I am, mm -hmm. Christina. Uh, it's mm -hmm. affecting that. They've got the Turbo uh, Graphics 16 ready to come out. Uh, and just because of this worldwide slowdown in manufacturing uh, capability when it comes to to chips, uh, it's really, really having uh, consequences. Uh, you know, there are some people that, you know, there was one argument that part of why we stayed in Afghanistan for so long was because of the rare earth uh, earth elements there. You know, the the things that we need to make chips. And the truth is, there's a lot of, you know, we treat these things like they're disposable. Uh, the reality is the supply chain to get the 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 rare earth metals that go in an iPhone to 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 do all these different things. It's it's more fragile than I think people realize. So no, this isn't just COVID. This is climate change, and it's why I feel so strongly. You know, this kind of I fix it mentality of keeping many of the things we we own for longer and fixing them when they break i i feel so strongly this is a mindset we need to get back to i think probably it would be a great thing for the world if apple and samsung took a year off and we all kind of just slowed down this consumption of new phones mm -hmm. it definitely made me like just realizing that this could happen made me go dang i'm a spoiled brat because it, it, <laughs> totally. it honestly didn't even occur to me that a company as large as samsung to say nothing of the automotive industry which generally i is not something i pay attention to i found out about that through reading about samsung that's shocking to me um so <sighs> Yeah, I'm not sure that I have much to like dig into about this except for yeah, yeah, makes me feel bad as a consumer. Um just thinking about how precarious this situation is and as you said, Bree, it's not just COVID. This is I imagine something that has been building in potential for some time. Um so yeah, I don't know. I, I I would hope that it could be a moment of reckoning in terms of of how we treat our devices and the occasional yearly phone cycle. Um, I say knowing I will get a new iPhone when they get <laughs> me a chance to give one. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it's very concerning. And I mean, I think the scariest, like, I've read so many articles about this. And, and what's interesting about this is that it's hitting so many different sectors. I mean, there's even talk that it might hit, you know, um, a, like a, the aviation industry and and whatnot. And like, it's, um, you know, in, in other uh, sectors of the industry, too. And it's like, people don't know when it's going to be able to pick back up. And mm -hmm. the weather realities that have kind of slowed those things down doesn't help. So it's... Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, though. I like that idea of if we could take anything from this, I'm not at all optimistic that this will happen. And I'm obviously a giant hypocrite because I buy everything. So I'm definitely part of the problem here would be that we could, you know, just maybe not release as much new stuff, you know, like like, mm -hmm. like slow down a little bit. Uh, I think that there would be something to be said for that. Like, let's really focus on on software. But I kind of love the, the idea of like a soccer mom that bought a giant like <laughs> Chevy Suburban living in like a Star Wars future where she's like talking to a Watto at a junkyard like, oh, I just need an SJ7 engine for my for my thing because it's too hard to find these parts anymore. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this this stuff like rare earth metals, they are they're limited numbers of them. Right. So. Uh, I, 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 I'm with you, Christina. I'm also part of the problem. Um, but we just have to be more conscientious. 
it it, it kind of makes me think of that uh that meme of spider-man pointing at spider-man where it's like <laughs> where one of the spider-mans is yeah. the company's making products and needing to sell them and the other spider-man is the consumer is wanting new products and it's like you stop making new products and the other one's like no <laughs> yes. you stop buying them please exactly exactly we're pointing at each other so like, no i love it oh <laughs> uh, okay now that i put that in terms that our listeners can understand <laughs> let me tell you that this episode of rocket is brought to you by privacy.com Woo. Uh, wow. Can I tell you an embarrassing story? Yes. I was on Facebook this last winter in a fit of peak, probably. And I saw an ad for Arcturix uh, jackets, outerwear. So these are these like super friggin' expensive outerwear. And it was on sale for like $100. And I was like, yo, this is unreal. I need this jacket. Um, and I went to the site and I put in my credit card details. I was like, check out, check out, check out. And it didn't work. And I was like, oh my God, no, they're going to sell out. I need to go to this thing. I put in my credit card details again and again, it didn't work. And then I went to the back to the Facebook post being like, what am I doing wrong? And I saw a bunch of people in the comments being like, this is a freaking scam. This isn't a real site. Oh, no. I went to the URL oh, and no. I was like, oh, oh my no. God, they're oh, right. No. It isn't a real site. I just put my credit card details in this freaking fake website anyway did you know that privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure you don't even have to you don't even have to think about it in terms of not (laughs) typing your literal credit card information into a scam website nothing ever happened of that i think i think capital one protected me there but I was lucky, y'all. I did a bad thing. Privacy generates virtual numbers to mask your bank information so you don't have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. Or, in fact, giving it out yourself like a fool (laughs) to a scam website. (laughs) Um, So this is obviously really important. I think, as we were just saying, people are buying a lot right now. I know I certainly have felt the the pull of online shopping over this past year. Um, and sometimes that has meant spending money on a website that I've never heard of. It's been s- clicking on a lot of Instagram ads. Um, I've been safe from that so far, but oh boy, am I tempted. So privacy is obviously very, very important. And with this service, you don't have to worry about like putting your literal credit card information in every website in the world after clicking accept yes to all cookies. As we know, I do now. Um, That's great. Take back control of your payments, decide who can charge your card, how much and how often, and you can close cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure that you are never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And privacy is partnered with the good folks at 1Password. You can create use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password will have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards, and you can set spend limits, whoa, yeah, (laughs) create single-use or merchant-locked cards whenever you want. Head to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up right now. That's again, privacy.com slash rocket. Thank you so much to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. Is this uh, one of the sponsors we get free stuff with? Yes, check Slack. (laughs) It is awesome. I've been using Privacy for a while. It's really, really really good. You know, this is, it's it's not a a scam coat thing, but like uh, I bought bought a Nordic Track um, uh, rowing machine this year and I don't use the live classes. I tend to just row on it and I tried to cancel it and they're like, Oh, just call us during these business hours. <laughs> and just like, F you. I would love See to just you be never. able to cancel that card and not deal with them anymore. Uh, this sounds great. I'm going to I'm gonna sign up for this very soon. Yay. All right. Well, let's get into our dessert. We've got a little double dessert today because it's just that kind of week in tech. But that's great because I also have a Really FM cross promotion to give you guys. So we're going to break it up with that. First of all, wow, scandal rocks 
the tech world as it is revealed that Justin Long is now appearing (gasps) in PC ads. Justin Long, who you might recognize as the I'm a Mac guy from the 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 ads that we all remember. And I'm not being facetious. I sounded like I was being sarcastic there. I'm not. That's my first thought when I see him, followed by he was also in a Die Hard movie that I saw when I lived in France. and, and and I think oh what weren't he and Drew Barrymore like engaged at oh. one point like those are the those are the things that I think <laughs> third when I fact him. well I think the most important fact now is uh, traitor traitor yeah traitor 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 <laughs> although although also get paid Justin Long because get like, paid Die Hard Four was a long time ago and if he needs to get paid I understand but so no totally he's still a traitor yeah. Well, traitor, but also, I mean, like, like, everybody knows him from these ads. Uh, they were maybe not a great... I wonder how I long it had... Because you couldn't have done this just, like, five years after the fact. Like, it's been something like 10 years? It's probably been 10 years since the ads stopped. Like, they started in 2006. <sighs> and they went, I think, until 2010, I want to say. Let me... I, I'm doing the very like You're doing very math, interesting thing for a podcast. About <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm doing the I'm a Mac, um, the, the Get a Mac campaign um, uh, thing. It ran from 2006 to 2009, and so it ran okay. through the end of 2009. Uh, and so it's been you know 12 years, uh, 11 wow. years, I guess, really since the campaigns uh, ended. So yeah, like he really five years ago, I think. You, this would have, have been worked. tacky. Now it's simply Honestly, I don't villainous. Think it works now. I think it's. I think it's really cringy. <laughs> yeah. To really? be totally okay, honest, so I completely disagree <gasps> with you on this. I thought it was. I thought it was an objectively uh, effective ad. So the the base of the ad is he's like he picks up a PC and he's like, oh that's cool. It turns into a tablet and flips it around and he's like, oh this is a Mac. It's just a laptop. And then they throw him an iPad, and then they throw in the magic keyboard case, and then they throw in the stylus, and then they throw him a dongle to work mm-hmm. on it. And I'm like attacking. Well, like okay, let's just own this. Like if Intel's trying to promote itself, they cannot promote themselves on speed or battery right, saving or, or, totally. or any quality of the chip. Like AMD is beating them. M1 is beating them. They can't do that. But attacking Apple on the dongle townness of their mm-hmm. products, I think dongle town is a, like I say this is someone who does a lot of attack ads. I think there's, I think there's meat in dongle town. I, oh, I think that could thank work. Thank you for that. Ignore my loud typing that's about to happen. <laughs> dongle town is the episode name, and isn't it? Meat in dongle town. Meat in dongle town. Love it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's effective. I just feel like it's cringe. Oh yeah. Uh, like, like, I think that there's definitely something you can go after with this, but I think like hiring that guy, like you do it. Okay. Cause Sprint did the same thing. They got the, can you hear me now guy from Verizon to be in their ads. And he was like, oh, I've switched to Sprint cause it's so great. And everybody's just like, dude, why in God's name, like, why would you switch to Sprint? Like, what are you doing? Right. Like it, it didn't, it didn't, it was just was cringy. So I I'm with you. I feel like it's actually like a Intel has some valid things that can go after Apple on. They can like dongle town is a big one. But I don't know. I just feel like the ads themselves are are totally cringe. And I I just I look at them, I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing here. I just don't personally, I, I don't think it works, but that's just me. Uh well, let's move on to our cross promo. Cause this week of Rocket, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Clockwise from Relay FM. Yeah. Oh, awesome. If you like this show, uh, you're gonna like Clockwise a lot. Uh Clockwise. you're very for one thing, it's half the length of this show, which I consider a selling point. If uh you you are a busy person. Listen, folks, you are. Don't argue with me. You're busy. You don't have loads of time to catch up on everything that happens in tech every week. Clockwise is a weekly roundtable that covers four tech topics in 30 minutes. It's great. And both of the people who host the show have been on Rocket before. Dan Morin, Micah Sargent. They do this every Wednesday. They also do it live for Relay FM members, which is great. I've been on it a couple times. I know, I believe y'all have been on it a couple times. Mm-hmm. And it is riotously fun. 
Uh, and they, of course, every week welcome two special guests from a diverse pool of tech pundits, writers, podcasters, developers, and more to talk about tech. Um, and sometimes, like, really silly tech-adjacent uh, pod podcast topics. Like when I was on uh, last time, we talked about what kind of book reading we do, like whether we do the ebook, the audio book, the like deckled edge, beautiful physical book, all of them. We talk about that because that's a tech topic. You know what? So uh, whether it's what's going on this week or timeless tech questions such as the above, it's never the same show twice. Uh, it's fun. And I think that you should do it. <laughs> That's what I think. You should, by do it, I, I mean listen to it, unless you're my co-host, in which case, go ahead and guest on it. <laughs> That's what I'm selling. Well, we, we can guest on it and we can listen to it. It's a great time. It's a great time. And, it, you know, I, I have a feeling they're probably going to be talking about the get a, like, um, get a Mac thing. They're probably going to be talking about like oh, yes. Apple Trader Justin Long on this. Well, they recorded today, so I bet they have. I bet they did. Oh, I, I hope they did. I hope so. Yeah, exactly. You should you should check the episode see if they did. I hope that they did. If not, I'm sure they did. Um, yeah, that would be great. All great. right. Clockwise covers topics across the tech spectrum from the moves of the biggest players in tech to the news you might have missed. You can catch the live stream every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific or subscribe and never miss an episode. So go to relay.fm slash clockwise or search for clockwise wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking at the show notes right now. Oh, they, oh, you know what? It's not in their show notes. Oh, you guys. That's such a missed opportunity. Oh, 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 we're going to, we're going to take this up with them. Folks, please don't let this change your opinion of clockwise. We're going to talk to <laughs> them and we're going to get this corrected because it's not okay. Okay. Well, let's move on to our <laughs> second dessert of the day uh freaking movie pass a phantom movie pass website uh which is not moviepass.com but moviepass.ventures <laughs> which bears the movie pass name and branding and a countdown to march 22nd has arisen online it contains the words the movie is about to start uh this is a mystery this is a good old-fashioned mystery and uh 5000 of you tagged Christina Warren in tweets about this <laughs> you sure did and you thank were you all so much you were freaking you were right. absolutely correct thank you for doing it what do we think is going to happen they can't they can't movie <sighs> oh it would be so weird like upside down world 2021 for like movie pass to come back just as theaters reopen which they shouldn't be doing on March 22nd anyway. That's a bit too early. However, I it I kind of like it. I, I mean, I don't like yeah. it like in a in a sense where I would do it and I think it's safe and fun. I like it in a narrative sense. See, yes, I love this in a narrative sense. I don't know. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, because we know that the copyright and, and the, the assets or whatever went up for sale. And I actually, I'm not even joking. I looked into how much it would cost for me to make a bid on some of those things. And um, if I could try to get like the funding together to to do something because I am that much of a poster that that is make marks of the timestamp. <laughs> and so I'm on. remembering that, that is something that, 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 that is something that I desperately was thinking. I was like, oh, that's a trollish thing that I would like to do if it were cheap enough. And I wasn't able to put it together then. And I would have had to go to a bank and I would have had to borrow money and it would have been a whole thing. <laughs> but I did look at it. Like I did actually like do due diligence and look at it. So part of me is kind of hoping that it is like whoever bought the the trademark or whatever <sighs> is doing something just stupid as hell with it. I mean, that or that would be amazing. It could be like do you guys remember popcorn time? No, no I do not. you definitely no, do. What is this? No, you okay. So popcorn time was like okay, it was it was a piracy thing. It was like you could it was like a, a, a web browser, like, like it was a browser app. You'd go to popcorntime.tv or whatever, and you could type in any movie you wanted, and it would basically use BitTorrent, <sighs> and then you stream it in real time. And it was awesome. And then it got taken down because, of course, it did. Shocking. And then what <laughs> – shockingly right and and then but all these clones started like coming up because it was using decentralized you know stuff and what happened though is that so the the 
the MPAA and RIAA and, and you know, the, the government and whatever started going after all the people behind the various popcorn time things. And then what wound up happening is that people like bought the domain names and stuff came back, but it wasn't really popcorn time. It was just like malware. So people were like, oh, it's popcorn time. It's back. And then they just like got viruses on their computer, which was kind of awesome to be totally honest. Like again, from a narrative perspective, I'm like, okay, yeah, fair, all's fair and like love and piracy. I love it. So part of me is also like, maybe this is a, a like a long game sort of like malware con, which I'm also really into. And so this is why we I'm use ExpressVPN because when you visit MoviePass.Ventures, yes. 100% <laughs> no this is why we use, and if you buy anything, this is why you use privacy.com because you don't want to put your real like yeah. banking information get, out there. Do not trust MoviePass with your credit card. Absolutely <laughs> like, not. Like that would be do a Do not. Oh my what, God, whoever Christina, this is, I'm getting this a vision. Is. I'm getting a vision from the future. This is going to disappoint you. Whatever it is. I'm just I'm telling I you right now. Do you remember when horse ebooks would tweet forever? Horse ebooks yeah. was this thing. It would, it would like put up, the, it was supposedly like, uh, you know, made with a, a Markov chain or something like that, like uh, assembling these tweets. And some of them were poetic and beautiful. And all, and if one day we were like, oh, we're going to find out what the secret is behind horse ebooks. We're going to find out what the secret is. And then it was like, it was this terrible <laughs> augmented reality game, Bear Stearns Bravo with like C minus list actors. That was just objectively a terrible game with a pretty good soundtrack, actually. I'm but, wiping all like, of this from my memory. <laughs> but my wanna... point is, oh, no. we were all so excited. Like, we're going to find out what horse ebooks is. And it was like a pile of. Dung, and that is what <laughs> this is going to be. I fear. Oh, this is going to disappoint us. Yes. The only thing people have looked into this, they reached out to Mark Wahlberg's company who like optioned and they're going to try apparently try to do a movie pass movie or something or whatever. Uh, they apparently have nothing to do with this. I don't know who this is. I'm. You're right. I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm excited anyway. And the best news for Rocket listeners is that this we're going to know by the next episode. So we're we're going to be able to react to whatever this is by the time we record next. Yes. And I I think I also just want to point out the beautiful uh complex nature of humanity that in this same episode where we tell you that NFTs are silly and you shouldn't invest in them, we admit that Christina seriously considered buying movie pass. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. It, yes, 100%. But like, I could I, I could have I made my money back on that. Honestly, to be clear. yeah, I think you Oh, it would have been beautiful. It, in another world, you did it. And you are a tech startup unto yourself. And it's wonderful. And I wish I lived there. Um, okay, wow. That's a whole darn show. Brianna, what are you doing this week? Oh my God, what am I doing this week? Uh, running a rebellion pack, uh, and uh, it could get as high as 55 degrees this weekend <gasps> here in Boston. Unheard of. So, can I, can I get really real with you, though? Our, our governor uh, finally announced what day we're going to be able to get vaccinated here. I'm literally last in line because uh, mm. I don't have any comorbidities and under the age limit, all that stuff. And it's like, it's it's the end of April. Y'all, mm -hmm. I'm dying. I'm mm -hmm. dying. It's been a year of being in my house. I'm not going to make it till April 7th. <laughs> I believe I'm, in you. I'm going to try my hardest, but oh, it's it's like waiting for this vaccine. It's killing me. <laughs> Christina, what about you? Uh, well, I'm also going to be like last to get the vaccine and and it will be probably Look, I think I think it's going to be when Biden is like, "Hey, you should like have it by now," because like Washington State's real behind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm uh I'm yeah working and um thinking about what I would have been able to do if I had been the owner of MoviePass's trademark, <laughs> which sadly I was not. But I'm going to be both sad about that and excited about that. Potentially selling um, NFTs of me wearing my I'm a Mac <gasps> shirt from 2007. God darn it! Because I, would, I feel like I will that buy that from you. I will buy that. Like, yeah. I mean, look, don't I participate in the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I feel like the meme is dead, but so I it probably wouldn't be anything worth it. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna be just like, I, I'm just hanging. I'm just hanging. Uh, well, I am. I finished a script about Final Fantasy VII that hopefully I will be working on for the next week. 
uh, editing and shooting it. Uh, and that's pretty much everything for me. Uh, I, I am also definitely uh, last in line. However, I'm going to try to get waitlisted at a local pharmacy because they do got to get rid of those doses Absolutely. once they thaw that needle, baby. And I've got an arm and it needs the jab. Um, <laughs> so that, that's kind of floating around in the back of my head. Chances that I will uh, wuss out of the social situation in which I have to walk into a pharmacy and say to a human being, excuse me, do you have a wait list for missed appointments? Uh, very low. I am baby and I hate social situations. So we'll see. Wish me luck, everyone. Hey, if you liked this episode of Rocket, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts because that's a cool thing to do. And I hear, I, I, okay, I was going to make a joke that if you do, you'll move up the vaccine wait list, but that's a little too a bad real joke. right now. So I won't say it, it but I am explaining why that sentence is going nowhere. But hopefully you will move up the list anyway. And uh, while you're waiting in line, you can leave a review for this podcast. And that's super cool of you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>